0: I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Friday, May 20th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes.
1: So, Jay, I read that there is a really interesting lawsuit happening down south. This guy is suing McDonald's and Wendy's, both of them, accusing them of defrauding customers with ads that make burgers appear larger than they actually are. It reminds me of, like, uh, on a car mirror, it says items may appear further behind. Anyways, what do you think about that? Do you agree with
0: them? Well, first of all, I like the fact you don't even know what the rear view mirror says because you don't drive. Images in the mirror may be closer than they appear. You had to think about it, too, though. It
1: wasn't automatic for you, either. (laughs)
0: Fair enough. But at least I actually use those mirrors. I think it's funny. And uh, I always thought the photographer used in that food stuff was kind of BS. So I'm interested in this lawsuit. So
1: his accusation is that they use, this sounds disgusting, by the way, I'm not sure why you want this instead. He says they use undercooked beef patties in ads, making the patties appear 15 to 20% larger than what customers get. I don't want, I want a properly cooked patty. Even if it looks bigger, it doesn't mean it's better because it's bigger. I want a cooked patty.
0: And like this is false advertising, I guess. Is it just shrinkage when it's cooked? Well,
1: that's the thing. Is like that people are saying now. People on the internet are, are chiming in, saying that it's shrinkflation, that that, that they actually are smaller now. But that's it, not true. That's not what he's arguing. He was saying this goes back to 2016. Anyways, this is the type of litigious society that has developed in the United States, where you can sue anybody for anything, and it's probably not a great thing. But, you know, on the other hand, I, I you know I do like when corporate malfeasance is caught. So perhaps there's something there. We'll have to let the courts decide.
0: Well, Brett, aside from trying to find out where's the beef, what do we have for Peak Pals today?
1: That was a good one. So for our first story, CPPIB down, for our second story, semi-ban, and for our third story, freedom for grabs.
0: For our first story, the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board posted a 6.8% return on investments this past fiscal year, but lost 2.9% last quarter alone amidst global pressure on public equities and stark market sell-offs, particularly in China. Okay, Brett, I guess this is bad news really for all of us. Want to explain why?
1: It kind of is. So the Canada Pension Plan is Canada's largest pension fund covering, well, everyone with all working Canadians chipping in about 5.7% of their earned income every this year alone. I notice it on all my paychecks. I'm sure you do as well. The fund has its fingers dipped into almost every kind of holding you can think of from debt and real estate to mattress companies and golf courses. I don't even use the golf courses, but I'm happy that I'm still somehow making money off them.
0: Well, if, if, if the pension fund does its right thing, you'll be using those golf courses in your retirement. And yeah. here's what happened last quarter, Brett. The CPPIB's investment in China were negatively impacted by regulatory reforms and COVID lockdowns leading to slightly disappointing annual returns as it invests heavily in China, holding billion-dollar stakes in companies like Alibaba and Tencent and investing in Chinese state-owned banks.
1: It kind of reminds me, there was this, back in the day, the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan owned a big chunk in Cadillac Fairview. And so people would always joke that, you know, teachers hate the malls, but they're investing in the malls, whatever. Anyway, CPPIB invests heavily in tech too, recently taking on new ownership roles and placing big bets on India's emerging tech sector. We talked about that a few weeks back, meaning the ongoing tech sell-off also contributed to muted returns. And Jay, do you want to let Peak Pals know why they should care that their
0: pension plan is not performing that well? Well, if you're in Canada and planning to retire, and you should retire at some point, what the CPPIB does and how it performs matters. Right now, its assets stand at a robust $539 billion, and hopefully they continue to grow so we can all get a cut when we enter our golden years. And Brett, you and I can hit our golf course together, like, you know, in our 70s. That'd be fun.
1: Yeah, but you're going to have to wait because there's a couple of years between us.
0: How dare you? (laughs)
1: For our second story, as the EU works towards banning Russian energy imports, and it's increasingly unclear what this means anymore, in response to the war in Ukraine, China is getting ready to hit the oil equivalent of a warehouse sale. Now, I'm picturing this, Jay. I'm thinking it's all being done in a bargain basement style oil warehouse that looks a lot like Costco, very bare bones, and they're just kind of trading oil barrels. How far off am I?
0: I don't know. That sounds like it can't possibly be how it actually gets (laughs) traded. But who knows? Uh, Well, the cost of oil has hit record highs this year, but Russia's own crude has tumbled as buyers step away to avoid tarnishing their image or getting hit by sanctions. This according to Bloomberg and leaving China with an opportunity to replenish its strategic reserves at a discount.
1: Yeah, well, that's right, Jay. And strategic reserves, they're typically tapped only in emergency situations. Like back in March, when the Biden administration announced it was releasing a million barrels per day from its reserves until October to combat skyrocketing gas prices, it clearly hasn't helped because we're just hitting new highs here.
0: It has not helped a lot. While there's no guarantee an agreement will be reached, China has an estimated capacity to store over a billion barrels in commercial and strategic reserves, enough to last 70 days by some estimates, and could be sitting on a surplus due to recent COVID lockdowns. Which I guess brings us to the big question. What does this mean for Russia and the world?
1: Would you ever get a strategic reserve of diet Coke going?
0: I actually have one. yeah, right right with me right now. <laughs> but no free plugs, Brett.
1: impacts of sanctions are starting to show in Russia with economic growth slowing and experts predicting a recession. Oil and gas account for about half of Russia's exports. So as long as there are willing buyers, which include now China and India, Russia may be able to keep the central piece of economy relatively intact.
0: And for our final story, in the 61 weeks since Rogers first laid out its $26 billion proposed takeover of Shaw, we've learned the Canadian wireless market led by Rogers, Telus, and Bell is so uncompetitive or non-competitive, pick your grammar, that the prospect of any top carrier swallowing up its fourth largest competitor is very, very complicated to say the least. Brett, want to update the P-Pals on what's going on with Freedom Mobile?
1: I know we talk about this a lot, but Canadians pay some of the highest phone bills in the world. And so this is a a really big issue for anybody who's concerned about what they're paying each month. And so the Rogers Shaw deal, it requires approval from the Competition Bureau, which is serving up a hard no as of late in the interest of, quote unquote, protecting Canadians from higher prices, poorer service quality and fewer choices, particularly in wireless services.
0: More than 85% of Canada's wireless market is controlled by three Companies, while smaller firms like Shaw Own Freedom try to compete with lower prices, offering bigger data allowances and getting rid of data overages fees.
1: Now, Rogers and Shaw are pressing ahead in their search for a Freedom buyer that would satisfy the Bureau. This includes ExplorerNet and Quebec's Quebec OR. But despite being left out of those conversations to date, Global Live Capital has now publicly thrown its hat in the ring, and they've got a pretty interesting update.
0: Rogers and Shaw are pressing ahead in their search for a Freedom buyer, and they're not doing it alone. To make its bid more competitive, Global Live has struck a 20-year agreement to access the TELUS wireless network, which aims to assure that Freedom will be able to offer a quality cross-country network that could compete with Rogers, TELUS, and Bell. Brett, we've been talking about this deal a ton. Any idea if this TELUS arrangement will make it more likely to happen?
1: Well, what's really unclear is if Rogers is in entertaining Global Live's offer, let alone whether its purchase of Shaw would be approved as a result. But if the Bureau is concerned with the harm of separating freedom from the Shaw network, a sale that would open up access to another nationwide network could definitely sweeten the deal. So Rogers and Shaw, they may end up having no choice. It's It's interesting to see. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country.
0: If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review.
1: And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode.
0: Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, as we record this podcast, I'm actually going to tap into my strategic reserve of Diet Coke. Are you ready?
1: Tap into it. Yes. It, that sounded a lot like a gun cocking no, rather it than was a not. can opening day. I assure
0: you it was diet coke. <laughs> Have a good Friday, Brett.
1: You too, Jay. Yeah.